we, uh, if you weren't here with us last week, love you to, uh, to catch the podcast for that. We're just kind of going through, as we do every year, just uh, through the vision of our church and what we're all about. And uh, this is kind of part two. Last week, we really spoke kind of a big picture around the big three things that we uh, are all about, which is uh, renewal and discipleship and mission. Uh, as I said at the end of my sermon last week, if you uh, kind of want to condense down what we're all about, it's Jesus. We're just passionate about Jesus, the presence of Jesus, so that's renewal. We want to be formed in the way of Jesus, uh, and that's discipleship. And we want to live like Jesus as his hands and his feet and our lives be poured out as a blessing to others, which is mission, uh, which is that whole thing of wanting to lead people into wholeness. Uh, and so this morning I want to continue to look at that, but in particular I want to look at what that means for your life. Uh, and we're going to just, um, we're going to really focus on what does it look like for you to live the way of Jesus? And what's the invitation of the Holy Spirit as you go into this year in terms of where He wants to cause you to grow and come alive or find healing or whatever it may look like? Because our church is really going to rock when more and more people get frothed and fr- you know, on Jesus and just continue to just be like, man, my life's orientated around Him. And as He changes us, it's just so attractive, and that's what the church is called to be, is it's like this new humanity. This is like, oh, there's this whole new group of people that are learning to live the life of love with Jesus as King until he returns in glory one day, and then, he's, then it's like we're this new priesthood, we're, this new, we're kings and queens in this new humanity. Uh, and so that's the, the question today. I got asked a, a really lovely pastoral question when we had our picnic a couple of weeks ago by Vicky Monsall. Um, we were chatting away, and then she looked at me, you know, with this very pastoral look, and she was like, Sam, what are you looking forward to this year? I was like, oh, isn't that a nice, isn't that a lovely question? I was like, oh, that's, oh, thank you. I saw, well, let me think about that. And it actually took me a little bit by surprise as well. I was like, yeah, what am I looking forward to this year? And I reckon that's part of the reason why this whole COVID thing's a real pain in the butt, is because there's stuff that we look forward to, and then it's like, oh, okay, that's not happening. <sighs> You know, and anything at the moment, I mean, planning anything's an exercise in comedy, I'm discovering. It's like, oh, we're going to do church like this. Oh, okay, no, we're not, you know. And then there's occasionally, you actually, like my brother had his wedding, and at the end it was like, oh, we actually got to do that. Oh, that was amazing. Oh, that was, it was awesome, you know. Jen, uh, for my 40th, bought me tickets to Fat Freddy's Drop. We were going to go up there for a, uh, for a couple of days up to Auckland. Uh, that was, I had my birthday in August, so then we had another, we have a lockdown or something changed, you know, so that all got cancelled. Uh, you know, so the tickets have been rescheduled for March. Oh, that's going to be cool, you know. Oh, I've got that to, oh, I don't have that to look forward to. You know what I mean? So it's like, so what do you, so when she asked me that question, I was like, well, <laughs> I was at that point, thought, oh, I'm really excited about the journey that we're going to take as a church in terms of the building thing. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like anymore because I had all these plans for term one that are like, okay, so, you know, okay, we're going to take that off the table. So that was my one thing I'd mentioned to her. But you know what I said to her, actually? I was like, you know what I'm actually looking forward to because I've really got not much else there? <laughs> it's like, I'm actually, I said this, I'm actually really looking forward to my average week. I'm just looking forward to my average week. Now, I've been on this pursuit for years now where it's like I want Jesus to so shape and change me that my average week is a net gain for the state of my soul. Like I actually feel a little bit more alive, a little bit more human, a little bit more content, a little bit more, just a little, that's what I call upper click, just an upper click a little bit on my average week. Now, uh, there are lots of weeks we have that aren't average. 
And I was like, oh no, Lord, don't, I don't, you know, I, I planned this message out like last year. And, you know, I do have pretty good average weeks, but this last week wasn't an average week. <laughs> this last week, Judah had an ear operation on Monday that was quite major. And any parent that's seen their kid go through an operation knows what that is like. It's just like you're they're operating on your heart, <laughs> sort of feels like. And so you've got that whole kind of emotional you know, intensity on, that was Monday, you know. Uh, and then Tuesday, pretty hammered, but we have to have our staff meeting to work out what we're going to do in the rest. So it's been one of those weeks where it's just, you know, a few pastoral dramas. It's like, this doesn't mean an average week. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, I don't feel qualified to like give a good go team talk around. Let's have a great average week when my last week's been real wobbly in terms of like, oh man, I'm just kind of getting through day by day at the moment. But here's the second thing I've got that gives me some credibility today is this, is that, a number of years ago, again, I was like, you know, stuff it. I'm just not going to give up the pursuit of the rich life in Jesus. I'm going to keep getting back on the wagon every time I fall off the wagon. And I'm not going to just say if I've had a rubbish week, this whole thing doesn't work and I'm just going to take a massive off-ramp in terms of the pursuit of the way of Jesus. No, as quick as I can, I'm going to get back on the wagon and I'm going to doggedly pursue the way of Jesus. And what's that meant is that I had to get over the microwave mentality that we have in our culture around change. You aren't changed in over one week. A conference may help, but it isn't going to change your life. What's going to change your life is just not giving up around the vision that Jesus has got for you in terms of how you're meant to live your average week. And if you continue to pursue that, you'll start to discover the rich, abundant life that's found in Jesus. And that's what I'm interested in as a pastor. I want to see your life changed in Jesus. And if we see our lives changed, then we're starting to smoke what we're trying to sell to our community. Meet Jesus, he changes your life. Not just in that moment when you say, you're my saviour, you're my Lord, but for the, every single area of my life will slowly be transformed from glory to glory to be more aligned with his heart and his will and his way and it'll heal me, it'll set me free and I'll come home, my soul will come home to the place it's always meant to be, right? So that's what I'm all about. Now Paul's a great example of this. We're gonna look at a couple of scriptures here that really I find fascinating. Uh, Philippians 4, this is quite a familiar passage, but there's this really interesting stuff going on here. Uh, it says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, worthy, think about these such things. Good, interesting now, you know, when we swim in the sewer of internet anything, news, social media, whatever, it's like, Oh, good advice, Paul. Like, what does it look like for me to think about noble things and pure things and lovely things? Like, our neurological pathways are getting formed in terms of how we view the world and humanity and all sorts of stuff as we swim on all of that rubbish. And actually, when you start dwelling on all this other stuff, it's incredibly healing. That's another sermon. Um, whatever you've learned in this, again, a cracker, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. We've talked about that a whole lot. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, blah, blah, blah. Don't, you know, it's not those that hear it, it's those that do it whose lives are transformed. So, and, and then the God of peace will be with you. We all want that. And then the uh, little sort of changes gears a bit here. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. So Paul had felt a bit wounded at some time by the church in Philippi because uh, they just stopped caring too much about his mission work and all that sort of thing. So he was stoked to hear that. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Paul had a number of churches supporting him financially and all that sort of thing. But this is the line that's so huge, right? I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. 
I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in, every, in any and every situation, well, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things, I can do this, all this through him who gives me strength. That last verse, people love taking out of context, like going into a boxing match, I can do all things, you know, and it's like, no, actually the context here is Paul's talking about what does it look like to live a deeply content life. We can do that. And, um, and he's like deeply content. So when things, when he's like with plenty, I can be deeply content, which is interesting because we think, oh man, like if I only had a little bit more, then I would be a bit more content. It's kind of the lie of consumerism. Uh, and then it's like you get that toy and it's like, it's not enough. I need another one. And, then, and it never satisfies, right? And again, just to, to, um, we've already done the confession, but we may have to do it again. The reality is every single one of us in the room today live in the top 8% of the world's wealth. So we are the ones with plenty. Have we learned to be content? Or Paul says, uh, or in need, where it's like, you know, oh, we're going to have to, we, we really struggle with this in the West. We're going to have to tighten our belts a bit. Like we're going to have to change how we do a holiday or we're going to have to change our lifestyle in some way because we just don't, we can't live beyond our means right now. We can't, that's foolish. We're not going to debt here. We're not going to a real pickle. So I'm going to learn to be content when I don't have all the stuff I'd like to have. And the signs that, um, now who, would, who wants to live like that, by the way? Like sign, right, I want to, this is what God wants for us, to be deeply content with our lives. The signs that we're not uh, content is that we go along through an average week and then like the pressure builds to the point where we have to binge on something to let like the pressure valve out of our discontent. Maybe cream buns, it may be pornography, it may be alcohol, it may be shopping, I'm not too sure, but there's a, there's a cycle that will happen if you're not content where you get to this point where you've got to do a whole lot of stuff because your soul is not content. Another sign uh, that uh, we aren't content is that we have a, um, thoughts of how we'd like to escape our current reality. At worst, that's suicide. Uh, what we often do is imagine another job. I've been there a couple of times. <laughs> or we imagine, you know, I don't know what it is, being in another marriage or being in, and, and we have these things of escape where we think about what our life would be like. And again, uh, Scott said that mental health is, uh, is accepting the brutal state of our reality at all costs. We accept the reality of our lives. Let's paraphrase um, sometimes we have this fantasy of the life we'd like to be living. Um, again, signs that you're not content are that you're comparing your life to others or your lot to others. Um, and sometimes we compare ourselves and we think, oh man, I'm doing pretty good. That leads to pride. Other people at times, a lot of the times, it's like, I wish I had that life and it's envy. You know, those are the two ditches that we fall in here. God invites us to live deeply, deeply content lives. And, uh, and how's Paul done this? He's learned to be content because he's put the stuff into practice. Like the God of peace is with him. He's put all the stuff into practice to the point where he's deeply content no matter what's going on. That's, that's a beautiful vision for human flourishing in my opinion. And I'm a hypocrite in transition, but I've taken enough of this journey to know that this is true in Jesus. You can be deeply content. Deeply content with your church, with your, 
with your family, with all of the, the mess, you know, right, of the reality of your life, you can still be deeply content. But interestingly, uh, so you've got this whole thing where it's like actually just, uh, you know, to put things into practice so help you be deeply content. We'll talk about that more in a second. But then the chapter earlier is really interesting because on one level, Paul there, for me as I've been kind of wrestling with that whole thing of being content, it's really dialed down the ambition in my life. Like, oh, I'm just driven and I'm striving and I'm working mental or whatever to, to try and become somebody in whatever space that we exist, you know, and to try and accomplishments, whatever it may be. And so then I, I've personally had to do a lot of soul work around, no, I just want to be deeply content with where you've got me, God, and just love the people in front of me, love my church, love my family, and just be so grateful for your many blessings in my life. I want to be deeply content. But then you, so it's almost like, oh, yeah, I'm going to chill him that. Philippians 3, the chapter earlier, it says this, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, to become like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or that I've arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but the one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heaven and with in, uh, in Christ Jesus. I just, I just love the kind of... Uh, the tension that we find within Philippians 3 and Philippians 4. Because in Philippians 4, it's the sense of, I'm deeply content. But then in Philippians 3, preceding that, he's deeply content because he's straining and pressing forward to take the hold of what Jesus has, wants to give him. And he's, it's beautifully shaped there because he's saying, it's not, not about me being declared righteous before God. So it's not like I'm straining and trying to be a good person so that God will accept me and love me. He's like, no, that righteousness has been given and it's through faith in Jesus Christ that you've been declared righteous, you've been made right with God. But Paul's still saying there's more, there's the resurrection life that I'm longing for and so I'm straining and I'm trying to contend and, I'm, and I love this, you know, pressing on. The language there is like, I'm, I want this. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and I press on and I strain and I press on. The Christian life is both growing in deep contentment receiving the grace of God as a disciple of, of Jesus and learning about the depths and beauty of His grace. That's a deep contentment. And it's also straining towards what is ahead, pressing on, not giving up, not stagnating, not settling. And uh, Paul's a great example of this. You know the greatest compliment that um, people didn't, a person didn't say this to me but said it to someone who then said it to me which is always good gossip right um, and some of the greatest compliment I've heard in a long time in this church has been someone that said I've changed more in the last couple of years in Bay Vineyard than I have in many years previous to that and I was just like oh that's again glory to God isn't he good and I, I, the reason I say that is because there's a grace on our church to see you formed in the way of Jesus there's a grace on our church to see people formed radically in the way of Jesus. I love it. It's beautiful. 
And there's something that happens when you, you start to get a vision for your life that aligns with the grace that's on our church. Like that's dynamite. I want this to be a culture where growing and changing is normal. We're, year to year, we're growing in Jesus. And so the question I have for you is like, what does it look like for you this year to grow in the way of Jesus, to press forward, to strain, to press in to the things of Jesus? What does it look like for, the, for you this year? And for the remainder of the talk, we're going to be asking the Holy Spirit just to speak to us because we're all different and we're all at different stages of our journey. But God wants to give you a vision for how your year looks that's different than last year and the year before and the year before. He, this year, wants to transform you from glory to glory. And here is the reality. That is an invitation of God. He's not going to make you, but He's going to put you in environments that invite you. And this is one of them. Not an accident you're here this morning, not an accident if you're watching later or listening to our podcast. God wants to invite you to grow in Him. What does it look like for you? Dallas Willard said to do that, we need three things. We need to have a vision for what that life for us looks like. Do you have a vision for the life you actually want to live? Again, so this isn't to say we're not content, but it's actually that it's to have a vision that you press forward to take. You're like, oh, that's who I want to be. What could it look like if, if you allowed the kingdom of God to define every area of your life? What would it look like? Uh, this is, again, for, uh, a vision of being a person who's filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Like, it would be a good thing to memorize the fruit of the Spirit. Or 1 Corinthians 13, love. Have you got a vision for who you're becoming? That's what love looks like. Is 1 Corinthians 13. Well, Colossians 3, clothe yourself and all of this beautiful stuff. There's so many passages that I could point to, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, all of this sort of stuff. But do you have a vision for what the rich, beautiful life in Jesus looks like? Uh, do you have a vision for the be with Jesus, become like Jesus and do what Jesus did, stuff that we talk about all the time? Uh, and again, I'm going to give you some homework today to... Uh, to uh, reflect on that, but you know, like, do you have a vision, for, like, how you, how you, how you would love your devos to look, your devotional life? Like, I'm not there yet, and every time it's like, it's like reverse consumerism. Actually, it's like, oh, if I get there, and then you get there, and you're like, this is amazing. It actually does satisfy, but oh, I want more. I want more of him. I want to go a slightly longer, slightly deeper. I want to, you know, this year over summer, I was just praying about the year, and it's like. Yeah, I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper in my devos with you, Lord. So then you start having a vision, like your imagination has to kick in. What would that actually look like? And you know, in my mind, I'm like, um, I want many leather-bound books. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very English setting, you know. I want many leather-bound books, and I want a kind of C.S. Lewis vibe going on as I, as I read the Word of God, and I sit in His presence, and I'm like, you know, I just love that, that, I love that space. And sometimes it's sitting on the beach, with it, but this vision for what it looks like to become like him, as I've said, all these things. Galatians 5, 1 Corinthians 13, Colossians 3, Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount. Like, do you have a vision for what you long your life to, to look like? And then to do what he did. Do you have a vision for your life that would bring blessing to others, orientated in your life, actually being poured out in servant, servant-hearted ministry to bless others? So we, have this, we, we need a vision for this, and I pray that, that the Spirit would, um, would speak to you about this. Ultimately, our vision's Jesus, that would become more like Him. But then we have to have the intention. So we have a vision for it, but then it's like the intention. Next slide, please. Where it's like, man, I just, I, I, uh, I want, I actually want, want this. 
as we start the year, the thing I really felt from the Lord for us as a community is that my job's to come and to shake our church a little bit and be like, yep, it was tricky last year and it's going to be tricky this year and it'll be tricky the next year. It's going to be tricky, 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 whatever. But don't let this year be the same as last year. Come on, church. What's your vision for where you're tracking this year? Where do you want to grow? Come on, let's get some intention. We have vision for it, but again, that's great. It's a good start, but it's like, no, I want this. I really want it. It's starting to burn in my bones. And here's the gift of pain, the gift of suffering, the gift of depression and disillusionment. The gift is that's actually an invitation. You say, stuff it. It's not working living like this. I need to live the way of Jesus. That's, gonna st- that's the gift of like that pressure, we f- that, that dissatisfaction. It's his invitation, come to me and, you'll, and drink from the streams of living water. Eat from the bread of life. Like this is the stuff that satisfies your soul. And at what point, like how bad does it have to get before you're like, nah, Jesus. Wise people choose Jesus early. Wise people orientate their life around Jesus radically and discover the life that's found in him. One Peter uh, is interesting here. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. His divine, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises that we may participate in the divine nature. That's incredible, divine nature. For this reason, again, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and goodness, knowledge, and knowledge, self-control, and on it goes. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's like, make every effort. Like, oh, no, I want that. Like, everything, everything has been, for this reason, since you have everything you need for a life of godliness, since you participated in the divine nature through the Holy Spirit, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. You've got to come to a point of intention with your walk with the Lord. And this isn't just mustering up willpower or something, but it's been willing to partner with the Holy Spirit. Here's why Holy Spirit's in the place. It's like he just wants to fill you with this fresh vision for what your year looks like. Uh, Gordon Smith uh, likens it to a dance with the Holy Spirit. He leads and we follow, but he doesn't just drag us around the dance floor. Right, so the Holy Spirit's here, and there's like, and there's this kind of interaction that we have where we say, "Yes, I want this. I want to," and He just begins to empower us by His Spirit to begin slowly over time, uh, walking the way of Jesus with greater and greater intention and clarity. Uh, Luke 18, the parable of the persistent widow, was all about uh, about Jesus saying, "Have this intention to pray." It starts starts off by saying that they would that they would pray and not give up. Uh, and then it ends with, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? In other words, will there be people that are still praying and believing that God makes a difference? That's what we need today, friends. Like, I do have a, like Jesus is challenging his disciples, cultivate a life of prayer, of intention around that, uh, and, and see what God does. <laughs> See, what God does is He changes. And as, you know, over summer with all that's going on in our world, my belief in who God is and His, His goodness and His power and in His kingdom went up, not down. And my belief that the church is called to be the new humanity and that everything that we long for is found in Jesus, all of that went up, not down. Because I was like, man, it's in Him. It's, I'm absolutely convinced more than ever, it's in Him. I love what's happening in our wider culture because it just reveals the beauty of God with even greater clarity as far as I'm concerned. So God, so, uh, so there's a sense of like, I want this. 
And even within that, we have to be aware that God wants to transform us and it's not pretty sometimes, right? And I'm going to hand out a sheet in a second, but it's like, there's two things you've got to be aware of in terms of this whole thing of God transforming your life. Firstly, firstly, you've got what's called passive spirituality, and secondly, you've got active spirituality. And what I mean by that is this. With passive spirituality, it's the, uh, it's the recognition uh, of where God has got us in terms of the phase of life that we're in and how there is an invitation of God to transform us to be more like Him. So, uh, you know, before me and Jen got married, um, I was in a single phase, and I could do lots of stuff, you know, for the kingdom, and I could go out every night, and I'd do all sorts of stuff. And if I lived like that now, that would be sinful. <laughs> but there was a phase there where it was like, oh, yeah, sweet, I can go bananas for Jesus. And we ran all sorts of stuff and all the rest of it. And the phase of life now, my first priority is my marriage. My second priority is my family and my kids, and my third priority and, and down the track is church and work and all the rest of it. So I'm like, what does it look like for me to, to, to live more selflessly? Now, uh, when you get married, that crucifies your selfishness. You don't realize how selfish you are when you get married. And then you think, oh yeah, you know, I'm a bit of a selfish git. And then you have kids, and they just, like, they just drive the nails in the coffin of your own selfishness over and over again, whether you like it or not. And you realize how self-centered you are. So what's the invitation in that, in that stage of life when you've got small children and it's all crazy? It's an invitation of God to become more like Him to pour out your life for others. It's not about you. It's about you blessing and serving others. Well, that sucks. It's hard. Yeah, pick up your cross. Follow the way of Jesus. Pour your life out. And beautifully, paradoxically, that's where real life is found. That's where real life is found. As you get older, it's like, well, what do you choose to do? Every phase will have its limitations and challenges and pressures, and you're wise if you can identify them and so then, therefore, in this phase, God's wanting to grow something in me around this. This is why I've reread and reread and reread the book Sacred Fire by Ronald Rollheiser because it's like the manual for this stage of life, midlife for me. It's like I'm just reading that because it's become my blue, one of the clearest books I've read around the invitation of God, passive, the passive spirituality of life. In this phase of life, this is what the invitation of God is. So how can I embrace that? But secondly, you've got the active side of things, so things that you are in control of. Um, for example, that addiction, you can work through that. You can take control. Go to counselling, go to, go to Afi Meal, go to AA, whatever it is. Uh, you are in control of your diary, for the most part. You're in control of when you set your alarm. You're in control of what the Holy Spirit may be saying to you this morning around, this is where I'd love you to grow. And, uh, and can I just say this as well? I'm a lazy person and I'm not very structured, okay? You know, some people are like super, like A-types, really annoying, a few of them in the room today. And there's other people that are like really structured just by default, you know, quite structured. And it's like, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, easy for you to follow Jesus. You're very structured and you're very, you know, I'm going to do take that hill. And I'm like, good on you. I'm not that guy. I'm creative and I'm visionary. And I'm like, ee. Can I tell you, if I can get some structure in my life, that's not about my personality. That's about maturity. I'm not dismissing, you know, for years I tried. Oh, I don't have a devotional life because I'm all about, people don't understand. I'm a little snowflake. It's a little, you know, and it's like, No. This is lazy and immature. So I have fought the structure in my life because there's the stuff I am in control of and I'm not, not going to be a victim anymore. I'm going to sort it out. And so, you know, reading the Bible every year, it took me years to get through the whole thing. 
seriously, years to get through the Bible in a year. Years. But here's again, I'm qualified to preach this because I didn't give up. Took five years, but I got there. And now it's just an, it's an ingrained part of my daily routine. You can have anything you want in Jesus. You can have if you press forward, if you strain, if you're like, I want that. You know, what does it look like to be a people of rest? Most of the Western church is very broken in terms of our total disobedience when it comes to Sabbath rest. It's one of the most underutilized, it's the clearest spiritual discipline there is in the Bible just about, and it's the most ignored. Well, whatever, okay, so that was me in my 20s. I got a revelation of that, and I fought for it. Now, would I want to go back to Egypt? No way in a million years. I love that that rhythm's in my life. It's the reason I'm still pastoring today. Two reasons I'm pastoring today. Private life of prayer and Sabbath rest. Only two spiritual practices, two most important in my opinion. That's seen me come to life more than all, just unreal, more than a million conferences combined. Those two practices have radically changed my life. What, is it, what are you going to lean into this year? Because the last thing Dallas Willard says is we can't just have the vision or the intention. We've got to have the means. So it's like the actual, the, the stuff we do that actually helps us be with Jesus, become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. And that's why as a church, we're trying to do everything we can to help you with the means. We've got home church resources. We've got upper-click accountability groups. We're throwing around books and podcasts and stuff all the time. Like we're trying to cheer you on, saying here's the stuff that helps and that works. And you know, again, for me, um, like become like Jesus, the practice, not the concept, or the, the practice of gratitude has fundamentally changed my neurological pathways so that I'm a lot more content and stoked about my life. I'm just practicing gratitude. Did it this week, feeling hammered, tired, a bit overwhelmed, or the rest of it. No, it's a discipline. I sit down and I write five things down about three or four times a week, and it's like sometimes it's a bit of a struggle, which is like, oh dear. And then it's like, oh, what a muppet. Just open your eyes and look around. There's just every, there's so much to be grateful for. And I'm, I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind, changing the way I think, which is totally transforming my life. So I'm trying to train my brain to look out for those things that just fill me with gratitude. So again, I'm like, you know the thing that's a bit tough sometimes is like, I've come to a certain point of spiritual maturity, right? Now I've got a long way to go. But I've worked hard to put some disciplines in my life that have brought me to a place of maturity. And I look at anyone now, and this is, you've got to be careful you don't turn into a Pharisee. But I look at anyone now that's not practicing gratitude and like literally got your journal, and I'm like, you're missing out so much. You're missing out on, I reckon God feels like that all the time for us as we, like you're missing out on so much goodness. Oh, you don't say with rest, man, you're missing out. Yeah, it's a mission to get there and I had to go get some counseling and work out why I was so driven and how I had to work out how I was wired to rest well and blah, blah, blah. But man, it was worth the, the, worth the money, like just doing the work to get there. Oh, it took a while to get the Bible in my life, but yeah, it was worth it. It took a while to get the gratitude, but it's worth it. And I'm tired of us thinking that we're following Jesus, but our diary doesn't reflect that we actually do. It's time that more and more we're like, you know what? My lifestyle is clearly orientated around the way of Jesus. It's framed up. It's, it's around the way of Jesus. So what the Holy Spirit this morning will want to spark some stuff in you, and I'm, this will be a bit of a journey. Luke, let's hand out the stuff now, actually. We'll grab a couple of people to do that. Thank you, guys. So I'm handing out your homework. Uh, and if you are listening to this online or are watching it online, uh, there'll be a link to this in the description. But here's uh, your homework for, uh, for the week or for your life, really. Um, and 
Uh, and this has just got some questions on it here that I would love to uh, invite you to engage with. Um, and it is, here's the questions. Do you have a vision for who you want to be in the future? You can read the rest of it. Is be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did? Are these the three goals my top priority? What evidence are there that these are my priorities? What other things compete for my focus? You can read the rest of it. Community is really important. Passive spiritual activism, teaching. And then literally at the bottom there, I just put a little rough thing there where it's like, what are some of the practices that you do throughout the week? So it's literally, you're like, and I've done this. I did this, uh, I got that same sheet which I've modified about three or four years, four years ago probably. And so it was like, the Holy Spirit just began speaking to me around certain things I wanted to put, and I got really excited. I was like, oh, this is good, I, I do want to do this. And so then I, you know, I, I, was, I put a little thing at the bottom there where I was like, you know what, Wednesday mornings I'm going to do this. I want to make sure I do this, and this is going to be the day I'm going to choose to rest really well, and here's when I'm going to do my devos, and I just got really intentional about it, and then we started up a click, which really helped me be held accountable to some of these things, and it's been totally transformative for me, and so as we, we're going to do this every year, we're going to start the year, and it's like, here's some, I want you to think, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, hallelujah, because of the cross you've been made right with him, you don't have to do any of this stuff to, to be accepted by God. But here's what I'm inviting you to do is to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you about how you can dance with Him into life. How can you dance with the Holy Spirit into greater life this year? And how can you have a, greater, a, a clearer vision for what that looks like? How can you have greater intention around like putting it into place and all the rest of it? And what tools do you need to, do, to accomplish those goals? And you'll find a lot of those tools on our website. You don't have to be in a home church that would prefer it. To, go, to look at the material that's all up there. You can just click on the stuff and we've got teaching on all of these spiritual practices there. And, there's, and we can point you in the direction of anything, any book that you would like to, uh, to, uh, to you know, on particular practice that you wanted to go a little bit deeper on. But yeah, again, like, you know, we, we immediately are going to redline. Who cares? The mission of the church hasn't changed. We're here to pursue His presence, to become more like Him and to be His hands and feet in the community. Nothing's changed. And we're not going to get distracted by all this stuff. I'm determined this year. The conversation we're having as a church isn't around all the stuff. It's around the way of Jesus. That's the conversation. You can have all the conversations other places. Nothing wrong with those other conversations if they're in the right place, blah, blah, blah. But here's the most important conversation. This is the place with the most important conversation. Jesus is King. He's Lord. He's risen. He's going to come again to rule and reign. And we are, we are His disciples. And He's a good Father. He's going to lead us into life. I finish with this. I, um, I love surfing, as you, some of you know. Again, one of the great invitations of God in this season of life is that it's really tricky to go surfing. Thank you, God, for having You know, because the surfing's annoying. You've got a whole lot of things that are going to line up for you. To, you can't just schedule it. You know, tides and wind and swell and diary and all the rest of it, right, and work. And so it's like, you know, every now and then miracles occur and I get to go out for a surf and all the rest of it. And normally because it's been a while between surfs, like, it's often like, uh, I'll just, you know, I go for a surf. It's often a choice. I'm like, I feel like a pro. And Jen pushing me out the door all the time, like, because I'm getting grumpy. Go for a surf. Please, you always come back so happy. I'm like, whatever, go for a surf. So, uh, and so if it's been a few months before, I, you know, literally it can be months sometimes having a surf. I go out for a surf. And then it's like I wake up and it's like, oh, that's right. This is amazing. Oh, I love surfing. You know, it's just epic. I love surfing. Even if it's a crap surf, it's a great surf, you know? Every surf is a good surf. And it's like, oh, I just love it. And you know what? I feel like sometimes in our Christian journey, we've forgotten how good it can be. 
and we've just gone into this ho-hum thing. And this morning by the Spirit of God, I just, I just want to be like, oh man, it's good. Like when you follow the way of Jesus and your life is aligned to the values that you actually want to live out, that's a good feeling. Like when you're practicing this stuff, yeah, it's clunky at first because your lifestyle's got to change, but man, it feels good when it becomes the norm. And then all of that discontent stuff starts to lose, like it's, you just see it diminish. And I'm, I'm not in full-on depression. We've, I've battled that in my life. I'm, I'm not in depression because of the practices of Jesus. Honestly, that's it. I would be just not in a good space in my mental health if it wasn't for the way of Jesus. But I feel, I feel for the, on my normal week, I feel really good. <laughs> Jen's like, what about this week, babe? Eh, a little okay, <laughs> a little, little grumpy, <laughs> but whatever. But I'm back on the wagon, babe. Come on, let's go, right? And that's what I want for you guys.